Praise God. Great time of worship. Thank you so much, worship team. And uh, the children, the young people are dismissing this morning for the time of ministry. But it's so great to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Great to Oh, I'm excited. Anybody else excited to be here today? I mean, you guys should be extra rejuvenated. You got an extra hour of sleep. Feels great. You didn't? Oh, you stayed up late, of course. Of course. <laughs> Five extra hours? Oh, boy. Well, it's good to have everybody here this morning. Before we get into the Word of God today, which um, I wanted to make mention that we are in the midst of a special BGMC Christmas challenge, October, November, December. This challenge will go or coincide with our 2021 goal of, of reaching $1,000 for BGMC. And so we have to, to meet that goal by the end of December. And, and uh, if we make it to $1,000, somebody will be going outside in the snow in their shirt and shorts and doing a snow angel or two. Uh, so somebody will be doing that, and uh, uh, but to coincide with that challenge, we have, uh, if you notice in the back there, but in the front here as well, we have BGMC Christmas uh, boxes to collect change, and it'll go to two different projects. Uh, one, the money will go to help provide fire Bibles to kids overseas, I believe in Haiti but also to raise money to uh, purchase glasses, eyeglasses for adults and children overseas. So just know that every uh, fund, every change, every coin, whatever comes in these three months will go to specific cause. Normally they always go to help people, but specifically these three months it'll go to, we'll know specifically what uh, the, the funds will go to. So just wanted to kind of encourage you along with that and uh, just a reminder and then in two weeks, we'll be taking a, formally taking a collection of Noisy Change uh, offering as we emphasize missions and BGMC the third Sunday of the month. And so, yeah, thank you so much for participating and being a part of that. Well, I've been so excited, you know. Uh, I've been just, I woke up one of those mornings this morning. I was excited to come to church. I mean, who, I mean, I, I think a lot of us share in that joy. It's, it's great to be in the house of the Lord, but today, especially, I just woke up just uh, something in my heart, a heart of anticipation and, and joy of the Lord. And I'm so looking forward to getting into the Word of God with you uh, this morning. We're starting a brand new message series uh, that I've really been excited to get into. Uh, for well over a year, I knew we were going to uh, study the book of Jonah, the story of Jonah. I didn't know at what point this fall that that would be, but I'm so looking forward to to doing that this morning. And uh, we'll be, I don't know if it's going to be four or five weeks on the book of Jonah. There's only four chapters, but uh, I know at the end of November we will have a missionary family with us that will kind of uh, break up uh, the series a little bit, but that's just fine. So we're going to get right to Jonah the reluctant prophet. Uh, I want to open by giving a little bit of context and uh, a better understanding of Jonah in, in the book of Jonah. Jonah, of course, is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Jonah means dove. Uh, Jonah is a very short book. 
but it has a very powerful message. Jonah ministered during a time of the reign of Jeroboam II, and he, of course, is called by God to go to the wicked city of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. Basically, God is telling Jonah to go to this city, this very, very wicked city, and let them know, hey, you guys better repent before the Lord or your, your city is going to be destroyed in 40 days. I don't know about you, but when I hear about the book of Jonah, you, you automatically, more than likely, think of Jonah the big, and the big fish or the whale, however you want to interpret it. But really, that is a very minor part of uh, the journey and the story of Jonah. Uh, this book, as we'll see as we get right into it from the get-go, is all about God. We learn a lot about God from beginning to end and in the middle of the book. All throughout, it reveals the nature and character of God. It is God who calls his messenger Jonah. It is God who corrects his messenger Jonah. It is God who is the one who sends the fish. It is God who changes the hearts and minds and brings salvation and repentance to the Ninevites. This book is all about God. Jonah is just in the middle of it. So what do we know specifically about the man or the prophet by the name of Jonah? Jonah was a good, godly man. Jonah had a successful ministry, and God used him prophetically. We actually see reference to him uh, in 2 Kings 14.25. Um, he, he, being God, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Labo Hamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord. The God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath, Hefer. So we see right away that God has used Jonah in different prophetic works in the Old Testament, specifically we see in Second Kings. God spoke a word and God confirmed it to him coming to pass. If I were to give a one-line theme of the book of Jonah and where we would kind of be hanging our hat on, I guess, the concept of that God is a God of boundless compassion for the Ninevite pagans, for Jonah, but also God is a God of compassion for you and I. And so the title of today's message is Fleeing from the Lord's Presence. Fleeing from the Lord's Presence. And honestly, we're going to be looking at mainly the first three verses of Jonah chapter 1 this morning. And I want to actually read the entire uh, chapter of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 17. Uh, The words won't be on the screen for this, but I challenge you to uh, open the Bible, maybe in front of you or on your phone, and uh, join in that way. So let's turn to Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. This is what the Word of God says. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Verse 4 says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. 
How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Verse 7 says, The the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Starting at verse 10. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked, what should we do to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Let's pray as we get into the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much once again for this opportunity to get into your word, Lord. As we get into this today, we may see our parts of ourselves identifying with Jonah, God. But Lord, help us to receive exactly what you have for us today, God. Help us to, to surrender like we sang in that song, every part of us in obedience, complete obedience and surrender to you, Jesus. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart open to receive all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, in the first three verses alone, there's a lot of incredible, powerful truths that we can draw from today. And I'm going to draw actually from three different principles from those three verses. So let's look right back at verse 1. And it'll be on the screen. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. So why did the Lord give this message to Jonah? Well, because Jonah was a prophet. Prophets hear from God, and and what do they do? They speak out the word to the people. And this leads us to our first point today. God speaks to his people. God speaks to his people. How many of you know that the word of God is still going forth today? God is still speaking to his people. And guess what? If you make yourself willing and available, God will speak to you. How can God speak to us today? God speaks to us in many different ways. Right here on on this pulpit, I have the Bible. God speaks to us through the Word of God. God spoke to us through Jesus Christ, His one and only Son. He sent uh, to this earth, God incarnate, God in the form of a baby. Jesus grew up and ministered three and a half years. And it's absolutely outstanding, the fact that we have written words, words that Jesus actually said. 
God speaks to us through nature. God speaks to us through creation. God speaks through us through fellow believers. Maybe you've received an encouraging word, a prophetic word from somebody that you just felt, man, that was directly from God. God can speak to us through other believers. God speaks to us through our time of prayer and seeking His Spirit. Maybe you're spending time with God in prayer and suddenly you just feel this nudge on your heart. Some people call it a whisper. Some people call it an impression. Some people call it a still, small voice of, of God speaking something into their life. That's why I just want to remind this prayer is so incredibly important as a church. And I wasn't really going to get sidetracked with this too much, but it's so important that, you know, unfortunately there are a lot of churches that just don't pray. Um, I'm part of some uh, networks with, with other pastors that, you know, they, it, what it takes to get their church to pray is unbelievably difficult. You can have all the events in the world. You can do special outreaches and, and concerts and all these different things, but the minute you mention prayer, people don't show up. That is incredibly vital to the life of the church. So God speaks to us through all these different things. And, and God actually can speak th- through us through his audible voice. Um, I, I think that's pretty rare. I don't know a whole lot of people that said, man, I could hear God's audible voice. We don't know uh, if that's how God spoke to Jonah. It could have been uh, the way he spoke to Jonah. But there's a lot of different ways that God can speak to us. But we must be available. We must be ready to take time to listen for the voice of God and listen to what he wants to speak to us. So like I said, Jonah means dove. He is the son of a mittai. If you look at uh, the original meaning of the word a mittai, it actually means faithfulness. So ironically, Jonah, as we'll see, is, is the son of faithfulness uh, in this book. So let's move on to verse 2. Uh, we first learn that one, that God speaks to his people. Verse 2, God gives Jonah two different commands. Verse 2, it says, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So what does God tell Jonah? He says, hey, get up and go. Okay, get up and go to this great city known as Nineveh. All right, it's not such a great city in the sense of it being an incredible place to be, but it's great in the sense that it's a very big city, a very large city. I did a quick search and found out that Nineveh is the modern-day Mosul, Iraq. Okay? Nineveh was the world's largest and most prominent city of that day. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, a place so big and and intimidating. But it was a very wicked city. If you turn a couple books over to the book of Nahum, which is set in the city of Nineveh, it gives some record of what Nineveh was like. It refers to Nineveh as a city of blood, a city full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims, a city where nothing can heal you, your wound is fatal. That is how bad of a city Nineveh is. I think that's a great reminder for us all that no one's wickedness is hidden from God. Nobody's wickedness, no matter how big or small, is hidden from God. God sees it all. 
So the first thing God tells Jonah to do, get up and go to this city. The second thing that God asks Jonah to do is, hey, I want you to go announce my judgment against this city. Imagine God calling you to such a pagan city to rebuke them of their sins. That's exactly what God is calling Jonah to do. He's saying, hey, I want you to go and tell them to repent. You can understand how this new call on Jonah's life would be quite an awakening to him. This is quite the big ask of the Lord. This leads us to our second point that we learn this morning, that God has no problem taking us out of our comfort zone. God has no problem taking us out of our comfort zone. Imagine for a moment God calling you to go get up and preach the gospel in what we would refer to as a modern-day Nineveh. Perhaps a place not too far from here, which I saw one source said is the 2021 deadliest city of Detroit, Michigan. What if God were to call you to one of the epicenters of human trafficking in the world, Thailand? Or what if God called you to go be a missionary with the Assemblies of God Live Dead movement, which goes and reaches unreached people groups in our world? Think Iran. Those type of places. You say, oh man, those are big things that God would call maybe certain people to, but certainly not me. Well, how about in your own context, your own world? Maybe your Nineveh is your next door neighbor. Maybe your Nineveh is a person that you haven't seen at church in a while that God wants you to reach out to and encourage. Maybe your Nineveh is your coworker. There may be a time that God may call you to do something like like Jonah did or was to do. God has no problem taking us out of our comfort zone. I shared with the folks on Wednesday night, I had the opportunity to go to lunch this past week with a missionary who will be ministering at our church in a few months. We were just kind of talking about how he, you know God called him into the missions work that he does and how God you know called me to to do what I'm doing here in Bryan. And we were just kind of talking about how, you know, so often Christians, we, we like to have a lot of confirmations before we do something uh, that the God, God asks us, us to do. Uh, maybe that's me, but maybe no one else in here. But so often I say, God, I will do this if I have three confirmations, then I'll do it. Or, or maybe, God, I will do this thing that you're asking of me if I have complete peace in my heart. Think of Jonah. God is interrupting his life of comfort. Do you think he had time to ask for confirmations? We'll soon see that he did not. Clearly this was an interruption in Jonah's life of comfort. Let's be people ready to do exactly what God calls us to do the first time. So here God speaks to Jonah and says, Hey, I want you to get up and go to this place called Nineveh. What was Jonah's reaction? Let's pick up at verse 3. We'll see exactly what Jonah did. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now I have a map here, if you would put the map up next please, Joe, of what exactly is going on here. This is kind of provide a visual 
perspective. Here, uh, Jonah is in Joppa. Okay, God is calling him 550 miles you know, northeast to Nineveh. Instead of just doing what God asked him to do, hey, I'll, yeah, I'll go to Nineveh, I'll go buy a ticket and get on a boat and go to Nineveh. Instead, he goes in the opposite direction, 2,500 miles, 2,500 miles to Tarshish. He's going out of his way to do what he can to be disobedient. Rather than buying a ticket for Nineveh, he goes in the opposite direction. Jonah is a rebel. He's going against what God specifically told him to do. And I learned from that that it actually takes more effort to do something against God's will than to actually do it. That's why it's important to realize that God is ready to equip us when He calls us. He will enable us and help us, but we must be willing vessels ready to act obediently to what He has called us to do. Now you've got to think of Jonah's perspective. Jonah may have had many great reasons why he should not go to Nineveh. You've got to think the ancient world was a very cruel place. It was a very cruel day and age that he lived in, and Assyria especially would be probably the master of cruelty. If Jonah went there to preach repentance, there's a chance that he would get tortured. There's a chance that he would get killed or slaughtered. It was a very practical decision not to go to Nineveh. But nonetheless, he chose to be disobedient to the Lord. To give a little bit more perspective of the way in which Nineveh was and how bad it was, I came across a writing of a king there. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but he was a king from 883 to 859 B.C. And I'll just let you know, what I'm about to read is a little bit graphic. So uh, just just uh, forewarning there. But this is kind of gives us some con- uh, context as to how bad Nineveh was. The king wrote, I flayed the skin from as many nobles as he had rebelled against me and draped their skins over the pile of corpses. I cut off the heads of their fighters and built with them a tower before the si- their city. I burnt their adolescent boys and girls. I captured many troops alive. I cut off some of their arms and hands. I cut off other, others, their noses, their ears, and other extremities. I gouged out the eyes of many troops. I made one pile of the living and one of the heads. I hung their heads on trees around the city. How gruesome is that? No wonder Jonah fled. No wonder he wouldn't want to do what God asked of him. Jonah's also thinking, you know, they deserve God's wrath. The last thing Jonah wanted to see were these people receive God's forgiveness and redemption. To kind of give you a little teaser, when we get to Jonah chapter 4 in a few weeks, Jonah reveals what he's thinking at this point in time in Jonah chapter 1. Jonah does not want them to receive grace and mercy from God. Jonah it was actually very furious with God. And Jonah wrote about how he knew it would happen. He knew that God would be a God of grace and mercy. That's what God always does. So Jonah, he doesn't want them to receive any grace and mercy. He says, they deserve it. Why should I risk my life in comfort? 
but all at the expense of fleeing from the Lord's presence. I don't know about you this morning, but I can't think of a more trembling thought of not being in the will of God or in His presence. Different times in my life, I've experienced the consequences of selfishness, the consequences of pride and arrogance, the the consequences of trying to do things on my own. And being out of God's presence to me is a very scary thought. You've got to think, as a prophet of the Lord, with a theological background, Jonah would have a better understanding that there's no way that he could run from God no matter how far he runs. He should know the Word of God. He should know that, yes, you may be able to run from God, but you cannot get away from Him. And that leads me to my third point this morning. You cannot run away from God. You cannot run away from God. Jonah did not want to do what God asked of him. He's saying, man, I need to get away from God. The best thing he thought he could do was run in the other direction. But I got news for Jonah this morning, and I got news for every one of us in this room. For anyone who thinks that you can flee from God, you cannot. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. I was reminded by Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, that that gives us insight into the presence of God and how God is everywhere. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. You cannot run away from God. So Jonah hires a boat to travel the opposite direction of what God wanted him. So what is Jonah doing here? He's quitting. Jonah's giving up. He's giving up his call. He's giving up the purpose that God had for him. He thought he was running from God, but as we will see in this story, it only leads to more trouble. Jonah's living a life of open rebellion against God. He's saying, man, I would rather have God displeased with me and my disobedience. See, the more that you and I are satisfied in our own selfish decisions, the more we prompt the dissatisfaction of God. But isn't that the way we live today in our day and age? We live in a world where people, as long as they're happy and comfortable, that's all that matters. We live in a day where many people don't care about what God's will is. And Jonah faced the danger of a life not in the presence of God. See, when we walk in rebellion or disobedience, we forfeit God's presence in our life. Blatant sin and rebellion will cause us not to experience the Lord's presence. So today, in in our church age that we live in, how does someone flee from the presence of God? Well, we know God and experience Him by His presence. Presence in the Hebrew often meant face, okay? It's like a a close personal encounter with the Lord. As believers, we know that the Holy Spirit dwells in us upon salvation. 
But we also must realize the difference between knowing God is here. Okay, God is present with us. God is here. And the difference between that and, and sensing His manifest presence. There is a difference. There's moments you know God is here and you're experiencing Him. And that's what God wants for every one of us here this morning. God wants you to experience His presence. We see at the very beginning of the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve experienced firsthand the presence of God. When they sinned, when they rebelled against God, they were removed from the garden and from experiencing close fellowship in God's presence. All throughout Scripture, we see God's desire for His people to experience His presence. But we also see the consequences of sin. We also see what happens when we sin. It it separates us from God and His presence. Jonah's choice to rebel meant leaving the presence of God. Maybe you can recall different times in your life where you no longer encounter God or experience His presence in your life. Maybe worship just isn't the same as it once was. Maybe prayer life or your or devotions, it just isn't what it once was. Now certainly there is times where we may feel like God is distant and far away. We will go through uh, wilderness seasons. But maybe you are here today in your wilderness or lack of God's presence is due to blatant sin and disobedience. Maybe you were like Jonah, trying to flee from what God has asked you to do. But we simply cannot have it both ways. We can't live in disobedience and expect the blessing of God's presence in our life. Maybe someone here today is wanting to be closer to God and experience fellowship with Him in His presence, but you aren't quite ready to walk in obedience that God asks of you. The thing about this is that though Jonah fled, though Jonah was living in disobedience and defying what God wanted of him, we see that God did not give up on Jonah. And I'm here to tell you this morning that maybe you have lived in rebellion. Maybe you've lived in disobedience in areas of your life. God is not done with you. He will not give up on you. This morning we we sang a new song, I Surrender. And we're going to, at the end of the service, sing that song during a time of response. But I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I'm not always ready and willing to surrender my all to the Lord as I should. There's times, to be honest with you, I just don't feel like it. There's times where I just sing, and if I'm truly honest, I didn't mean it. In a moment, I want to give everyone an opportunity to surrender it all to the Lord. Maybe you haven't outright walked away from God, but maybe there are certain areas of your life that have not been surrendered to God as He asks. And you are living in disobedience. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself running from something like Jonah was running from. You keep going in the opposite direction rather than doing what God has asked of you. And you want to come back. You want to surrender and experience fellowship and His presence once again. 
In closing this morning, I want to address two groups of people. I'll invite the worship team to come up. But I want to address two different types or groups of people that may be here today, whether you're here in person or watching from home today. Maybe you are are Jonah today and you have some Jonah-like tendencies. You're running, you're fleeing, you're avoiding God in some area of your life and it's affecting your relationship with Him. Maybe this morning you would say that you're not uh, specifically Jonah, but maybe you, you find yourself living with a Jonah, or maybe you know a Jonah this morning. We want to pray for them that they will come back to the Lord. The second group of people that I want to address this morning is maybe you're here and you say, God, I just want to experience your manifest presence once again. I want to, I want to feel your nearness. I want to be sensitive to the, your call on my life. We're going to sing this song, I Surrender Once Again. And it's just my heart and my desire that it would be our prayer this morning. It will be our anthem. This morning, I just want to, if you just maintain an attitude of just a prayer and reflection on the Lord. But maybe you're here today. You say, man, God, I just want to experience you in a new way. You want to encounter God. And you want to quit running. And this morning, we will open, you feel free to come forth during this song. But the amazing thing that I love about God is that when we draw near to Him, He's going to draw near to us. And so if you would stand this morning, that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to draw near to God. Yeah, if you would stand up, please. Draw near to him as we seek his face. May he draw near to us.